Alrighty, guys, welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co host, calling in all the way from Charm City, Maryland. Guess who it is? My pal Odell. Odell, you excited about tonight? Yes, 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 yes. Very excited. This is going to be a blast from the past, huh? No, it'll be great, man. I'm looking forward to talking to uh, Adam and Eric about everything. And uh, and it's good catching, especially um, uh, Adam, since we've known him for a pretty long time. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be nostalgic, man. Um, before we get to guests in, you know, this show has been exploding, blowing up so much. I just got a thing across my Facebook when we hit 7,000 followers, and it was January 16th, and now we're almost up to 9,000. So that tells you how much traffic the page has been getting in such a short amount of time. And because we've had so many guests coming through, we're actually, we have to start doing shows, pre-recording shows, like we're doing one next Saturday with Jughead from Screech and Weasel. This is how exploding our fucking schedule's been lately. It's been crazy. What are we doing right finally after four years where people are paying attention to us? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I just think people. Uh, you know. I. I think we. Uh, we have a good show, and um, we make people comfortable. And and uh, nobody's called me like a, in quite a while. Yeah, That's yeah. It's more conversation. It's more conversation than 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 like an interview, if you will. So I. I, enjoy, I at least on my end, I enjoy doing it a lot. I look forward to doing this. So. Right on. So do we want to uh, mix it up with what I posted on the music page today? Because things usually don't get political on the music page, and then somebody always has to go and ruin it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I saw the, the, the Michael Jackson topic you put on there, and then it's, it, 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 initially it was funny, you know, the, like the answers, and all of a sudden, yeah, you get that one person that has to take it there, and you're like, oh, here we go. And then the, uh, the lovely rabbit hole opens up, and everybody gets sucked into it. It develops all good intentions. So here's what happened. Yeah. We'll break this up in two, two places here. One, I put up a post today, and I thought it was interesting. It said that now a lot of radio stations worldwide are pulling Michael Jackson's music because of all the child molesting accusations over the years. Now, instinctively, you go, well, why the fuck is this happening now? The, the man's been dead, what, seven years, six years? It's been quite a while, right? Almost ten. It's funny you say it because he died actually on, um, on uh, Susan's birthday. So that's why I know it so well. He died on the, the 25th wow. of June. Yeah. So, so do you think she um, could channel yeah. him? I don't know. Her, uh, I think it was um, Fair Fawcett and, or was it Bo Derek? It was one of the two passed on that day as well. Somebody else. Oh, Derek's still day. alive, so it had to be Farrah Fawcett. So it was Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, it was Farrah Fawcett who passed away. She passed away earlier, and then he passed. So it was like, wow. Trying to get knocked off the, the pedestal there. I mean, we've done whole episodes on you know artists passing away, too. And there's been a lot this past couple of weeks. Not just musical yeah. artists, but actors and people of note. But let yeah, me talk yeah. about this Michael Jackson thing. So, instinctively, you're like, why is this happening now? It seems counterintuitive. The man's been dead almost 10 years. Now they're pulling his music? This isn't new information. And I think it has to do with the new Showtime series, which is a documentary, kind of like, I think the name of it's even ominous. It's like, Escaping from Neverland. And you hear it, and I haven't watched it yet. There's only been two episodes. It's on my to-do list. 
but I'm sure it's not painting him in a magical great light. No, um, I haven't seen, I don't know if I'll, I'll watch it or not, but um, I don't have a HBO or whatever, but um, it was, it's, I think the debate comes in because the, 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 the two accusers um, pretty much are like, um, it's coming from their side. So it's totally their side of the story. So you don't get anything from the Jackson family. You don't get anything from uh, other people around. It's just based on theirs. And then the other reason why a lot of people are, are debating it is because the same two guys that are in the movie testified for Michael Jackson in, I think, 2005 uh, on, 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 in that big case. And they were adults at that time. So they were like, well, why did you testify for him then? And then all of a sudden now you're flipping the script and turning around and saying all these accusatory things about him. Well, here's what I was wondering. I didn't have a chance to look this up before the show. Do artists get ro royalties from actual airplay? I know you can't pay to have your music played. And I'm talking about the radio, obviously not podcasting or YouTube. Right. But on radio play, does an artist get a certain amount of royalties based on how many radio plays across the world? Oh, man, I don't know. I know downloads they do and, and commercials and things like, you, you know, the little jingles you hear that all of a sudden you hear like, hey, that's a Michael Jackson song. Or but does this whatever. hurt the family? Whoever those benefactors are, does this hurt them or do they get nothing from Radio Play anyways? I don't know. I would so it would be fucked up if they got hurt, their revenue got hurt, but Jackson was making billions hand over fist while he was alive right. diddling kids, assumably. But yeah. now, like, the benefactors of it are kind of getting their legs cut from under them 10 years after the fact. That would be crazy. Right. And I think it's more, I don't even know if it's about the financial aspect. I think it's more that, okay, you're, this, all of this is coming out, um, you know, he has kids, so they're hearing this. And then the family and then the mom's old, the dad just passed. So it's like a lot of, I think it's more on that side of things. And then also it's funny because some of the stations that actually uh, decided, like Radio 1 decided, they were like one of the first ones to come out and say, we're going to stop playing Michael Jackson, which is a BBC station. Well, people were like, well, pump the brakes real quick. You had a DJ slash dude for decades molesting young girls who died and all of a sudden all that stuff came. I forgot the gentleman, or not even a gentleman, but the guy's name that did it. But it was like a handful of years ago. He passed away and come to find out he molested like 40 kids or something crazy. So people were like, how does the BBC all of a sudden decide, you know, Radio 1 decide like, whoa, wait a minute, okay. You sort of put this guy in the closet, and all of a sudden, when Mike, you know these things come out of Michael Jackson, you're immediately the first ones to be like, "Okay, we're not going to play his stuff anymore." When you hid, you know, pedophilia charges for decades, right? On top of decades, yeah. Well, so. let me ask D this: Does anybody care? Because I remember when Michael Jackson died, my mom was real upset, and I said, um, "You know, what about the accusations?" And she was like, "I don't care. He was such a great performer." And I was like, so you would let Michael Jackson babysit your kids? And she's like, yeah, that would be awesome. And I was like, would you let Eminem babysit your kids? And she's like, no, he's awful. Uh, oh, he was like, his mom was on Oprah and said he's an awful kid. And I was like, so you wouldn't let fucking Eminem, who has a record of being an outstanding father, even people who hate him say he's an outstanding father, you wouldn't let him babysit your kids. 
but you would let Michael Jackson. And yeah. you wonder why we don't have a great mother-son relationship. Your judgment is questionable at best, young ma'am. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's kind of crazy because, you know, I'm of the mind that they're, regardless of what they did in life and regardless of who he was in his personal life, you cannot deny that he affected the music world he affected people and the songs that he performed like the one i always think of as man in the mirror you know that really had an amazing message but to answer your question according to the wonderful world of google radio airplay is considered a public performance public performances generate performance royalties for songwriters which are collected um, and in the United States terrestrial broadcasters AM or FM do not pay performers or sound sound recording copyright owners they only pay the songwriter so it would depend for each song who the actual songwriter was yeah and that's Michael then because he pretty much I mean between him, Quincy Jones, and maybe one or two other, he had his hand in everything. Yeah. In every song. Which means so that's what, that's they what... are taking money out of the children's mouths of Michael Jackson. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I honestly can't imagine that Michael J- Jackson's children could get a job. They've been in the public life. The kid's name is Blanket. He was exactly. dangling over a fucking terrace when he was six months old. Exactly. That kid's fucked anyways. They've been <laughs> in the public eye their entire lives. And yeah. I mean, and they're, they're, oddly enough. But somebody okay. made a great point, though. And, and I'm of the mind, and I said this about Roseanne. I said this about Fat Mike. I'm of the mind where I can separate an artist from their art. I'm sure Mel Gibson is a fucking scumbag, but I still mm-hmm. watch Daddy's well, so I can well, separate I, it. Yeah, I can separate it to a point, but then you have like the dude. What's the dude from that band, uh, Lost Profits, or something like that? I think it was Lost Profits. They were from I, they were from like Europe somewhere, and he got busted for like molesting. Like he had like child porn. He had all this craziness, and he's in jail for a long yeah, time. Yeah, but that's not but, the whole unit. You know, I always say to the yeah, people who flip he, out about. The band, but the band is done now because he was the front. He was the front man of that band, and he was like the guy. And then all of a sudden, it's like boom, you get hit with that. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the band has to suffer now because one, no one's gonna, you know, you can't play Lost Prophets songs anymore um, because they're like, oh well, that's the pedophile dude. And then you know, so the rest of the band, you know, the the other guys in the bands that are busting their chops and not doing anything wrong, got to pay for that as well because. Now, they don't see anything coming from them albums. And they had a couple of big-time albums, if I'm not mistaken. But all of a sudden, so it's like... But that's the thing. There's always someone in that blast radius. And I used to tell people that flipped out about the NFL. And I go, whether you agree with it or not, if you're an NFL fan and then all of a sudden, reflexively, you're like, fuck the NFL, boycott them, burn them to the ground... I'm like, listen to like how fascist you are. 10% of people yeah. in the NFL are kneeling or condoning, like the owners are condoning kneeling. 90% agree with you, and you want to take food out of their mouths because of 10% of the people you don't agree with. And that's why yeah. I said, like, yeah. Roseanne, look at all the people who are going to get hurt by pulling the reruns from 20 years ago because you can't tolerate the speech, no matter how fucked up it is, of one person. But let me like, kind of pivot like back Cosby here. Too. Yeah, same with Bill Cosby. Well, let me pivot back here. So 
I was kind of saying, hey, um, I'm of the mind where I try to separate the artist from the art. I'm not now if it content is different. I'm not into Venom because I'm not into the whole satanic message. I'm not into Screwdriver because I'm not into the whole Nazi racist thing. But if the artist themselves is a prick, I don't really care if their art. I try to separate that. But then a guy really had a great comeback. He said, how do you listen to the way you make me feel knowing that Michael Jackson probably wrote that about a 12-year-old? Like, how do you sing that song in the shower now? I I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I ever did, but like <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, no, I'm a, I'm I'm see I'm sort of torn. So because I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. If it wasn't for Michael Jackson, I don't even think I would be in the music just because I was such an avid fan and it was played in our house. You know, right, you know, right. starting before you know Jackson Five and all that stuff. So it's like I'm torn because he's you know I I know he's a unique person. <laughs> so. I'm not saying I wouldn't leave my kids. Kicking those no euphemisms. Yeah, there is no way in hell you leave my kids by myself. Well, first of all, I wouldn't leave my kids with celebrity stranger. I don't care how much they're, you know, they're like, oh, come to the house. I'll be in that room with you while while you're hanging. I don't know you from, you know, I don't know you from the hole in the wall. So, um, but I'm, I, it's just weird. It's such a weird situation because you, you know, you have if it was coming from people that. I didn't know. So, for example, like Macaulay Culkin and Corey Feldman and a whole bunch of other people are coming to Michael's defense. You know, they're like, wait a minute, nah, this dude didn't do anything like that. And then it's just these two guys who actually testified in front of, you know, so you lied. So apparently you lied. As an adult, you were 20-some years old. You're making a ton of money because one of them was like a choreographer for like Britney Spears and NSYNC and all that crap. But they were doing all that stuff. And you lied and, and defended this man. So not only did you defend this dude, so if you're telling me this guy's a pedophile, you defended a pedophile who probably, well after that, was doing stuff to other kids. And you let it go. Now the man's dead, and you want to come back and be like, well, we did this, we did that, we did this, well, we did that. Well, I can and make like, 10 arguments about playing devil's advocate about why that could be. And I wanted to talk about the... You know, the comments I got on that post, we're not going to have time. We're running way over. So let's mm. table this conversation and get tonight's guess in. Yeah, I, I blame Trump. There you go. Yeah, well, of course. That's what we do here <laughs> at the Liberal That's Network. That's all we do. Um, Odell, <laughs> why don't you tell yeah. us who we have on tonight for a change? Because this is really, like I said, a blast from our past. It's yeah, half yeah. a blast. So, it's a half a blast. Uh, no, um... No, I, I, it's funny. I remember, and I'll just say a brief story. Um, we've known Adam forever. So uh, we used to do shows at... He Guardian used to be Comics. my personal accountant. Yes, yes. So we used to do shows <laughs> we'll at Guardian up. Comics. And that was the first time that I actually met Adam uh, was at Guardian Comics in Waldorf when uh, Kid Dynamite slash Onus was doing shows there. And, I, and, I, and Adam always stood out to me because he was always... You know, a lot of times when you go to shows or you go to different events, people go there just to go there. They're not really there to enjoy the music or whatever. They're just there to hang out. Adam was there, and he loved the music. He loved all the bands. Um, actually, oh, the, dude, those I videos I pulled up, I was trying yeah. to look at it as an outsider, and I could just imagine people seeing Adam dancing around, even Steven going, wow, dude, that guy must be a super fan because he was so <laughs> animated. 
in those videos, yeah. rocking out to all the bands. He was so supportive. Yeah, yeah, and oh, yeah. um, and I remember Ad, I remember Adam's band, Unky's Monkle. I remember they uh, we played with them, and all of that. And then you know, fast forward a handful of years, and and when we did the whole Pennsylvania Virginia Beach thing, and and Adam was doing the solo like punk acoustic thing, uh, Tape Warm Love. So yeah, I'm going, I'm going, I'm taking it back, and um, and then you're you going to turn into Grandpa or, Norman here in a moment. Grandpa Norman, <laughs> let me sit on knees. So let me tell you a story, but um. But what happened was, I remember, you know, there was a couple years where I didn't see Adam. I think Adam was, you know, at this time, back in school, he was down at Guilford College. And we were out of school, so um, I ran into Adam at a dismemberment plan show during, it was during the winter time of one year, and uh, we exchanged information. And God bless him, he actually uh, hooked us up with a show down at Guilford College, uh, Kid Dynamite, um, and we got to play with this band and Brasilia, and, and that was a phenomenal wow. one one it was a phenomenal show uh two was a phenomenal time so when we got down there to play uh, we had a little time on our hands and adam we went to adam's dorm room and he was like hey hey guys check this out and he played us a split uh um uh, uh of him of kazooish and he was like this is this is the band i'm in and we were floored we were absolutely floored and um we we're like dude this is really really good and um and and you know over through, throughout the years we kept in touch and um, uh, they start they took off and um, they started touring everywhere and um, by this time I uh, Onus was done and I was in the fallen one and um, I remember getting you know emails here and there and Adam would, you know say hey you know we're looking to play shows in D.C. or we're looking to play shows in Baltimore or whatever can you help us out and um, so we actually were fortunate enough to play a couple shows with them um, we played uh, I think two. Uh, with them in uh, Cine Mechanica, which is another phenomenal band. Um, from, but they were from Georgia, but they were all in that hub. And um, I just, at, you know, even though, like, like I said, Adam is, is, is a good friend, I, I you know, Cudsey Wish is one of my favorite bands, period. So um, it was, it, I always kept an eye on them and followed them, and they just, so many stories, dude. Phenomenal. That's why yeah, I'm going to do this documentary. All right, well, let's get them in here. Yeah. Eric Mann and our old pal Adam and my old personal accountant, and we'll tell that story. Adam Thorne from Kazoo Wish. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for hanging on the line and listening to our ranting and raving. Hi there. Thanks for having us. Uh, thank <clears> what's you. going on, guys? Nothing, man. Hey, I want to start off with this. I put up a page called Rufus Waldorf. And because somebody had asked me, hey, whatever happened to all those old pictures? I've got fucking 50 photo albums filled with pictures from those days and a box of VHS. And they were like, whatever happened to all those old band pictures and videos? And I said, well, I still have them. And at this time, I was um, just coming out of hosting a political show. And my haters were a plenty. So I didn't want to start putting this stuff on my page and mass adding all these old bands because I didn't feel like my comments threads exploding with pussy snowflake libtard Marxist leftist traitor bullshit. So I said, right. okay, let me, I love the name Rufus. If my ex-wife would have allowed me, I would have named my daughter. She was a boy Rufus. Um, I said, let me put up a page, Rufus Waldorf. I just started flooding it with band pictures and band videos. And Adam, I have this video from our house where I had just gotten, you know, I was a stupid kid. I got a Circuit City card, fucking blew it off, maxed it out, and they were calling and hounding me all the time because I never made a payment on it. And we were all drinking, and I was like, let me hand this over to my personal accountant, Adam. Do you remember that and the whole spiel you I, did? No, not at all. 
I have no, what? I have no remembrance. Was I wrecked? <laughs> I mean, you were at my house, dude. So that was kind of yeah, a prerequisite. <laughs> that was the only state oh. of being at my house. So give me a, like, give me a quick. Give me a quick summary. Wait, so I hand you the happens? phone, and you're like, hello, this is Mr. Thorne. I am Nick Katsouris' personal accountant, and I just want to let you know, he just inherited $17 million from his uncle. $17 million. So this piddly bill of $838.32, ha, we scoff at that. Pshaw, that is nothing to a man who now has a bulging bank account of $17 million. And you just went on his whole tirade about how I inherited all. It's actually on the Rufus page, I think, if you go on there. This whole tirade about how I inherited $17 million and I, how did you want paid and fucking gold doubloons or Greek drakas or whatever. <laughs> and it was fucking crazy, dude. It was funny as shit. That's hilarious. I just got to say, can I just say that um, you moved? Are you in Tennessee? You moved to Tennessee? Right, right outside of Knoxville. I think it's it's fantastic that you haven't lost that mid Atlantic. Oh man, that thing is outrageous. <laughs> you like own it? Yeah, that's just, that is that's great. Yeah, Meth Mountain uh, hasn't beaten it out of me yet. I live in a place affectionately called Meth Mountain. It's got one of the highest no, meth think, rates in the country. Oh, oh, good. Well, then they they need to hear that. Oh man. Oh, I, I don't know what happened to mine. I feel like I used to have it, and I swear to God, like I don't. I don't know what my accent is now. I mean, I call it my Slurthern accent because it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's, it's like I, you know, that's a good problem to have. You got I guess. Down, I mean, Carolina, Baltimore, all up in there. It's a, it's a, it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, man, and I miss Baltimore too. Yeah, uh, I don't know what it is. You, if you, if there was a game show called like Get, Guess Guess the Accent, you know, and like you put me there, they'd be like, I, I don't know, a drunk, uh, recovering drunk or something. You know? <laughs> Or like, just woke, just woke up. That accent is just woke up. I don't you know. You should start but just speaking anything. in Esperanto. <laughs> oh, man. Does anyone even know? Does your listening audience even know what that is? <laughs> I'll tell you what, dude. Um, the only reason it's really on my radar is I read one of my heroes who I tried for years to get on a show and his um, publicists were kind of a prick to me. But anyways, I read William Shatner's book and he actually has a movie done all in Esperanto and it's the only movie ever made in just Esperanto. It's fucking crazy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's Shatner. That's the only movie. They hold the Guinness World Record for being the only movie ever made and filmed in Esperanto. And there's ooh, intermission ooh, ooh. there. He you. Right? <laughs> what is there going go. on? <laughs> oh, man. So let me dig Fantastic. in here. I got to tell you guys Please. this. First, thanks for calling in. I know that there was a lot of coordinating to get this to happen. Full disclosure, man, of course I've heard of Kazoo Wish over the years because I'd ask, hey, how Adam's doing? And people would always tell me about the band and how great the band wasn't doing. I have actually never listened to you guys until I booked this episode. <laughs> and I went Good. and listened to your music, and this isn't blowing smoke or anything, your music made me ashamed that I was an Even Steven. It's that fucking good. <laughs> I wanted to burn my Even Steven album like an angry Trump supporter at Taylor Swift. I was like, oh, my God, even oh. Steven's fucking garbage. This is like a billion times better than we were. So I'm, <laughs> no, no, I'm saying your this album's like, good. You're, you're very sweet, man. Thank I mean, you. Thank you. Uh, I think that uh, it sounds like you're really uh, you're fishing for a compliment. You know, <laughs> I think there's video <laughs> proof that even Steven 
definitely had a place in my heart, you know. So, no, I mean, else. I think we were kind of a good novelty. And uh, I mean, we had a shtick, which I'm there's a little bit of P.T. Barnum in me. So we definitely had a shtick. And, and to bring this home back in the MySpace days, we're so old. Even Steven had a page on MySpace, but then our mascot, our blow-up doll, Sally Smutchko, had her own page. And do you know <laughs> Sally Smutchko got ten times more fan mail than even Steven did? So that tells you, like, what kind of band we were. Well, she looked a lot better than you did, so, like, it makes sense, you know. <laughs> she only looked better than three of us. Bobby was a beautiful man. <laughs> okay. Man. So, but people so, uh, would write her love letters. And I couldn't tell if they were fucking with me or if they didn't know it was actually a blow-up doll, but I would actually get love letters to Sally Smutchko's MySpace page. Did you say... Okay. Huh. Oh, no, I, I was like that. Yeah. I started yeah, a love affair you. with Wilson the Volleyball, was on another page, and I started a love affair with Wilson the Volleyball from Castaway. <laughs> MySpace was a oh, fun no. place, dude. Unlike the fucking Viper Pit that Facebook is, MySpace was fun. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I left Facebook. I, I had to run from a couple of S's, so no Facebook for oh, me. Yeah. yeah, that's not, yeah. That's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're halfway into the show. I guess we should talk about the band now. Give us a little bit of history. Your story is incredible. Um, give me a little bit of the history of the band, the breakup, and about how this whole reunion came about. Yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead and take that. Um, well, 1998, uh, Adam and I... Uh, met up at Guilford College and the other guys had already been going there. And, um, within that, within that, uh, fall semester, it happened pretty quickly. Adam hadn't joined, Adam joined the band about two years after that, but, um, the vendor, let me stop you right there. What brought that on was, um, the guitarists or the basses, were you guys singing? There was no main front man or did you lose your main front man? No. Yeah. It was just a four piece and, uh, the vendor, we didn't, we hadn't, we had, we lacked direction. We were just writing songs and there was. Yeah. I want to interject. They lacked erection. That's what I heard. So I told you, I want to turn this into an erotica podcast. So this is a good story. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No problem. And uh, basically the, the timeline plays out. I think we, we put, we, we wrote a set. And then within that first semester, Cudsey Wish played a show after just practicing for like three months. And, what was um, the mindset going into this? Were you like, hey, after we graduate, I would love to tour with this and see where it goes? Or was it just something you were doing as a hobby in college? Yeah, in college, it was just, we were just a Guilford College band that, but we all thought, okay, we got something and let's, let's maybe travel with it. But we weren't, we weren't thinking too much till the end of the, our, our college careers, I think. Yeah, I actually remember them knocking on my, on my door, of my dorm room. Uh, and wearing only like robes, and then they drop their robes and their and sweaty bodies. Hell, no, 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 no. But I remember them like uh, knocking on the on the door, and I'm like napping at you know like 6 p.m. or something. And they're like, "Hey, Adam, can we use your amp? We know you have an amp, and uh, we were like hoping we could use it for a PA." I was like, uh, "Yeah, sure." And like I'm giving them. The, you had a totally the different time. accent back then. You sounded like a jock from Revenge of the Nerds back in those days. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. You dipsticks, you know, like um, you know, uh, but I'm the whole time. Like, why won't you? Why? Why can't I be in the band? I wish I was in a band, but yes, you can use my amp for a for a PA. So continue. 
So <laughs> really uh, about two years later, about in 2000, uh, Devender had, had gone abroad for a semester, so we didn't play for six months. Okay. And then we, when he came back, um, we were definitely thinking, well, let's do something else. And then uh, Tim, the bass player, was like, well, let, we, need a, we need a singer. And um, he, he went ahead and asked Adam. And then uh, Adam joined the band. And we became a, a, definitely a different band after that. Um, and probably about a, a year later. Structurally, energy-wise, as far as crowds, how did you become a different band? Explain. I think all of that. I mean, I think the, the songwriting had the vocal element to, to center everything. Uh, because if you, the music is kind of out there. We were, we like with having a main vocalist. It really centered the focus of what we were trying to do, and what our mm -hmm. you know, all of our influences. Having having the vocals there, like a, a main frontman, helped center all of the because we had a very wide variety of, of influences, um, which we never really discussed what we wanted to do with the band. We just started playing music together, uh, which is our strength. Actually, I think. Um, yeah, I, and then I know. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that um, after after we the rest of the guys graduated college in 2001, and then we did in 2002. And it was around that time frame where we're just that's when we hit the road even harder because we just actually all agreed let's just let's just get in a van and, and ride around the country and play. Were shows. you on um, Ernest Jennings Records by then? Yeah, about about 2001 or so. Yeah. Gotcha. And that happened. Yeah, so I. You, you, oh, go ahead. Adam. You go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to oh, say, okay. like, yeah. So I went on tour with those guys as Tapeworm Love in 1999. You know, so I was recording them. Yeah, and uh, so I'm sure that like helped uh, at least convince them that I was like uh, someone who could um, hold. Uh, I don't know. Had some kind of like a performance uh, energy or whatever. What, do you, what would you call it? Right. Performance. Uh, you know what I'm saying. So, um, You're yeah, good, yeah, good stage presence. You have great. That's what yeah, I'm saying. You, yeah, you've always had good stage presence in your banter with the crowd and everything. You were like that with Onky's Monk and Take More Love, all of that. So, yeah, so like, you know, like the music takes a, a secondary place, unfortunately, sometimes. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that uh, the Cuzzy Wish had all the, like, uh, they had great guitarists, you know, and they had a lot of uh, yeah. amazing skill there. But that was the one thing that I think that Tim especially recognized that uh, there was a lack of like in between songs. You know that that thing where you throw the uh, um, blow up doll out into the crowd, that kind of thing that's like necessary. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, for some bands it's more uh, necessary than others. Exactly, but it's true. Like Sally's almost a necessary thing. Either that, or you've got the uh, the guy who can tell. Uh, nine minutes of a rambling, uh, not really comedy, uh, comic story to the crowd while you fix your soft tech amp because some random thing blew up that you didn't know existed before. You know, you need yeah, that guy. Yeah. I serve that purpose. I mean, it's totally theater <laughs> class, though, right? When I was in theater class, they said, look, the audience doesn't know if you screw up, so just keep going. Okay. Just keep going like Absolutely. nothing happens. Your clothes could fall off. Just keep fucking going. The whole set could be falling down around you. Just keep going. Right, right. Nobody yeah. knows. Yeah. The first rule of performance, right, is uh, the show must go on, right? And then, yeah, the, and then the second rule would be like, uh, uh, leave them wanting more. Yeah. And then the third rule is keep it uh, simple, stupid, in my opinion. Those are the three most important rules. 
I tend to agree. Odell, yeah. I can barely, you're kind of going in and out here. I, I guess it's because you're on the headset. There's that neuroticism well, um, again. Are you there, Odell? <laughs> I am there. Can you hear okay, me? you're echoing when Adam talks, so we'll fix this in post. Uh, so. Gotcha. But no, um, so how did you guys get on Ernest Jennings? I know that was a, that's a label that's sort of up in the, in the northeast area and i know you guys are sort of south and southeast uh area so how did how did that happen yeah i think um i just started when we were ready to have material to release um i just started looking around and then we were also uh, we were also all of us worked for college radio and that allowed us to actually book shows at guilford and so i i think it came around we helped them book a show for some of their bands up in the northeast they came down and then it it all just kind of happened from there I think they okay. got wind of our band, more band, and then the relationship started just... To, there was a bigger relationship that started from that with them releasing multiple bands out of North Carolina and Greensboro. And then it went yeah. even further when they actually... Um, there was a connection between them and Athens as well. So um, it really opened up a big thing between Ernest Jennings and North and the South, East, I would say. And that label has taken off. Like, taken off. It's like... um. I, I was listening to an interview with Peter uh, the other day, and I and just because I remember following because it, it, it's funny how he talked about um, how the way that he figured out bands was by who was on the label or who was on the label. Those are you know like Discord, for example. He was like, oh, well, I'm gonna get this CD because they're on Discord. I'm gonna check it out, and it's so funny because when you when you go to Ernest Jennings' record and you see the diversity that's on there, but it's one of those things that I followed since you guys were on there was that, wow, this label is like blown up. I mean, he has a ton of uh, music on there now. Yeah. They, they, I think our newest EP that's about to come out is, um, number 155. Um, wow. and then our earlier albums were like number, you know, Ernest Jennings number 10 and number 15. Wow. So what a piece of history. Yeah. Man. They released a lot of albums in, in that 10 to 15 years or so. Yes, they have. Well, it's crazy, no matter how much you think you're in the know, no matter how much you think that you're eclectic or you know all these different types of genre of music. I was watching the documentary about your bass player, Tim, Off and Awesome, and there were so many bands coming through there. Through, And I watched all 36 episodes, man. And I got to tell you, some of it was tough to watch. But I was like, it would be disrespectful for me to bow out now. I'm, you know, he went through this. The least I can do is watch it. But as I'm watching all these different bands, I'm like, man, dude, I don't like you could never know all the talent that's out there because I hadn't heard of any of those bands beside you guys. And again, I think I don't know if and Gets Me was uh, mentioned. I know you guys have played with them a lot. And I, I recognize, of course, Faith No More when they did the intro, one of the guys from that. But most of those bands I didn't even recognize. And I was like, there's this whole other little gold nugget world out there that I've never been exposed to. And I've been listening to all sorts of music for 30 years, pretty hardcore. Well, you are pretty hardcore, Nick. It's true. Um, <laughs> I have that issue myself with music. I mean, I, that's why I, I tend to go just farther back into the past because, you know, uh, I was like, eh, too much new stuff. I'll go farther back in the past and that'll be safe. But it's not safe because the farther back you go, the more you discover old hidden gems of people that, you know, hadn't been heard of until like some random label released their uh one-off right their very influential blues record that just got found mm-hmm. in a, in a you know. so yeah i mean it, it's overwhelming i mean i 
I think it's that's fucking why it content isn't. overload. You know, I'll I'll scroll it's through different. on demand and I'll see a preview for a show. And I'll go, fuck, dude, that looks interesting. I'll actually get mad when I find new things I'm interested in because I know I'll never have time to get to them. I'll be like, son of a bitch. I want to see right. this, and I'll never have a chance to see it because I got 17 other fucking shows in my queue, 50 other books in it on my shelf I want to read, 40 other bands that I heard one song and rocked out to it 17 times, and now I want to dig into their whole catalog. There's just never enough time to get all the information into your head. That's one of the downsides of the information age. Yeah, I totally agree. agree. And yeah, and we were playing music around before, well, really before the time when all that was. Oh, definitely know. before the time. Yeah. Because YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube started in 2005, right? Yeah. And um, I mean, we booked a lot of our tours. Luckily, email was, was the main way, but. Um, and email is better too, right? Because sometimes I keep my page pretty private now. But even with that, you could try to reach out to somebody on Facebook about like calling into our show and they'll kind of look at my page, especially back when everything was public, and be like, huh, well, you, this is what you think about the flat tax and this is what you think about gun control. <laughs> no thanks, asshole. Yeah. Where an email, yeah. you can never tell that. But with Facebook, it's like you're burying everything depending on your settings. And I had to actually pull back because I didn't want it to hurt booking or my relationship with some of the artists. <laughs> yeah, man, I relate to that. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, it, I think it's really, it's, it really, content overload is, is a definitely, definitely great way to describe it. I mean, I think that, uh, but see, at the same time, like, I don't know, pre-internet wasn't exactly the glory days, you know, like, the only fights, really, <laughs> or the most important fights we ever got in as a band were, like, over directions, you know? Which yeah. wasn't even an issue. Yeah. Yep. I mean, like, we yep. printed up MapQuest directions, and we had a, we had very, Eric and Devender were specifically, like, some of the most organized guys in the world who were also into rock and roll. Like, I feel very lucky <laughs> that I fell into that group of guys, because, like, I'm a mess, as you can probably attest to. Like, I, I'm not a good manager. So it's fantastic that these guys asked me to just be a singer guy for their band. Because, like, mm -hmm. Eric and Devender, they got shit done. I mean, we had notebooks of printed out MapQuest directions. And, uh, but I remember this one specific time where, like, nobody was paying attention to Eric. He's driving the van, right? And we're, like, trying to get to this next town. And uh, we've been driving for four-plus hours, whatever. And he's, like, finally tired of trying to get our attention. You know, pulls the van over to the side of the road gets out, chucks the keys into a bush across the street and just starts walking. Because <laughs> like, he couldn't get any attention. So like, are, we going, are we going on this street? Are we, are we in the right town? Like, he couldn't get anyone's attention because we're all goofing off in the back. Yeah, I've had know? fits like that before. I can fucking relate. But that, I mean, how can, yeah. that doesn't even happen anymore. I mean, I wish we were on tour now. <laughs> Oh, dude, going back to the social media thing and this is what i always tell d access has never been easier but getting hurt has never been harder because there's such yeah. a sea of people out there so yeah i can upload a, a thousand songs to the internet but i'm competing with 10 billion people who are doing the exact same thing and especially with podcasts I have a lot of friends who are in the entertainment world, a lot more in the entertainment world than me. People who have TV shows, people who are touring bands. And I was telling um, my buddy John not too long ago, I said, dude, it's gotten to the point where we're all just generating content to each for each other. 
I'm like, hey, John, check out my podcast. John's like, hey, Nick, check out my podcast. And it's like we're a bunch of drug dealers just dealing to each other. And it's fucking crazy. And you can't break out of that bubble because everybody's got the walls up and they're suspicious. Like, what? you know, I remember when we had Buick on Odell and she has that solo work that's kind of like this country, beautiful solo stuff and then you yeah. go on her page and you see friendship commanders and you see her politics and i'm just like oh Man, yeah how many rednecks were listening to your fucking country stuff and you're like in your annabelle and fucking sundress and singing all these like almost gospel hymns and then they flip over to facebook and they're like oh my god she, she's a social justice warrior and then they just like feel betrayed and like do the Snoopy walk all the way back to their fridge to grab a beer. Like they're so fucking pissed off that like she, they feel she misrepresented herself. This is what I'm saying, dude. Like it's so hard to break through because everybody has their walls up creatively because nobody is nobody feels like they can be open anymore. I mean, look what just happened mm -hmm. on that thread today. It's so hard to be open because then somebody's going to take it wrong. I was. I just said today on that thread. I said the days of there's no such thing as bad publicity. Those days are fucking over, dude. You could have one mis, must one misworded tweet, and it could sink your career. You gotta listen to your heart, Nick. Just listen to your heart. Oh no, you don't want me <laughs> listening to my heart. That's how I got just in be trouble. Be yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, so Eric, where, where did that? Where? It's funny because like going. When it was announced that you guys were doing uh, the reunion show and you were um, releasing the unreleased uh, um, uh, material that you had, which, by the way, I ordered my uh, vinyl today, so I can't wait to get it. But, oh, you um, guys are doing that on vinyl, too? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But where where yeah, was it? <laughs> <laughs> so, what, uh, and I can uh, give you a little bit of background with, with all this. So, I mean, this EP that's coming out is was the final recording session we did in 2005, which was a really busy year for the band. Um, yeah. yeah. We, had, we had released, that's when actually we had released On Route, which we recorded with, with Jay Can Robbins. I do a sidebar here and ask why the album's just self-titled? Is it like bringing it back full circle? We just couldn't decide on a, a name, I think. <laughs> we went back and forth. <laughs> and we or some of the names you were thinking of, just to peek behind the curtain here. I think it was a song title. Some we were going to name it one of the song titles. Ah, gotcha. just didn't seem, Okay, sorry. Um, Go ahead. So basically, we had recorded this stuff about three months before our last show officially in uh, 2005. And at that point, uh, why we broke up, we were just on different paths. And in particular, our drummer Jordy was um, joining the Peace Corps and going to Africa. And right. we were just of the mind where we weren't going to replace Well, paint this picture. Was it an official breakup? Like you guys all sat down and said, that's it, boys, like in the locker room, we're done. Or did it just kind of yeah. phase out slowly? And then one day you looked around, I was like, huh, I guess we're not in a band anymore. I think we, we made a definite decision and had a pretty large lap final show. Well, you remember that there was a moment there. So like there was one tour that we went on where uh, Jordy just wasn't able to to join us so it was actually yeah it was actually the yeah mm -hmm. Dell was talking about uh earlier that um yeah and we actually we conscripted the um uh cinema mechanica drummer to play to do double duty and play drums for us as well and um and then he you know i think i think actually with the build-up to that tour we were trying out different people or at least fishing out fishing around the idea of other people playing drums and no one wanted to do it 
so we just didn't want to go through that again. I think that was yeah. that was part of it, and also we just felt like the band was us, you know. So, Before we talk well, about the upcoming release, can I ask you guys what you were doing in the interim? of 2005 and then when you started putting things back together again I, i'm assuming it was what about a year ago you found these and started putting this back together yeah that's about right um well they're all we're all off doing different things uh, adam and i live in north carolina here but devender lives up in brooklyn and jordy lives down in uh, new orleans well and what were you and adam been, doing were you playing in other projects i've been playing and, and i hadn't played music for quite a while and then about four or five years ago i started playing in a band again um so i've been playing really, in a band again yeah. um you just released something think, too right eric yeah yeah we just um the band is basement life and we just put out an album last year um, mm -hmm. so those are we've been just self-releasing stuff so we're we're mostly a local band we can't don't have the capacity to tour but it's just been nice to have band practice weekly and and just get back into music that way. And now he's in a new project yeah. called Toothsome, which is pretty great, pretty fantastic. Nice. And actually now I'm finding myself in, now that I've started being in a band again, I've found myself now in two bands, actually. And for <laughs> a week, I would be in three bands for a second. And then I did wow. like, uh, I did, I released two records with Ernest Jennings uh, under my own name, Adam Thorne of the Top Buttons. Uh, yep, then, I got uh, those. <laughs> Oh, good. Good for you, because I'm really proud yeah, of you. Yeah, man. Thank you. And, um, and I remember... Uh, part of the Thorn Army. No, I, 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 well, like I said, when Adam, when Adam would, would come around, because when, when you guys split in 2005, the following one, was, we went, I think we went just for like a, another year and a half afterwards, but I always try to keep in touch or, or whatever. So I would send emails to Adam, and I remember when you were playing in War Bomb, and you, and you guys played up in Baltimore, and... Uh, me and my sister and Susan came up there and uh, uh, went to your shows and everything when you were coming, um, come through. So yeah, we're trying to, Remember, try to, try to stay up. War Bomb was fun. We were like, War Bomb was actually happening with, when Cudsey Wish was alive. And I was, a lot of the War Bomb lyrics were lyrics that I just felt like the Cudsey Wish guys would be like, nah, those lyrics are not right. You know? Um, <laughs> just because they were overly <laughs> political? They're too right. They're weirdly, they were like racy. You know what you were talking about? About how like uh, you can't like being too open. Like maybe they right. were too open. I remember we actually mm -hmm. had a recording session. The other people in the band. Uh, sorry, now I'm like now I'm totally like, co-opting this podcast. But like uh, yeah, the other people in the band had never heard the lyrics until I'm doing my vocals. And apparently they had a meeting outside about whether or not they could finish the recording session because of the lyrics being too sexual or something. I don't remember what it was. Jesus, Whatever. This sounds like you know? a VH1 storyteller plot. <laughs> it's just it's, it's whatever. It doesn't it doesn't really yeah. matter. You know? I'll come to the Country Wish reunion show, guys. By the record. It's great. Um but uh yeah anyway. <laughs> Alright, so let's get back on track here. I'm sorry I'm off in the ozone. So you guys are having a reunion show coming up. Tell me Eric, kind of finish telling us how you put this together, coming out with the self-titled self album, and what's going on with the union, reunion show, which I think, if memory serves, is March 22nd, right? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Um, so I have this cardboard box of, of Kudzu paraphernalia, and I hadn't looked at it in quite some time, and I think somewhere in 2015, 14, Devender had dropped off just a few things before he moved to New York, some CDs. 
and I didn't even really look at them that that much. But was anybody's old retainer in it? Because that would be beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't see that. <laughs> uh, but um, I realized about two and a half years ago that I had the the raw studio files, the individual files uh, from our final recording, um, which had six or seven songs on it, and it was pro it was in Pro Tools and. All I really, I looked at the CD and I was like, I just, I want to get this remix. And then I started reaching out to the guys and that's, that's how it all really started. What was it like to revisit that? Like when you went back and listened, was it how you remembered it? Were you like, wow, this really kicks ass. It's better than I remember. Or you're like, Ooh, this is going to need a little bit of work. (laughs) Well, the song, I know that the, well, what, what got me was this, just the songs are really good. Our last few songs that we wrote, um, I think we just we didn't think about them maybe as much as we had previous. We just wrote a, a few songs and then recorded them in a weekend. Um, and so I had this CD and, and then the only guy that I could, this was on like, and it's kind of technical, but the, what we recorded in 2005 was pro tools six and pro mm-hmm. tools is at like version 13 or 14 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, Mike, <laughs> Mike, the drummer from Cinema Mechanica, has been—he's been engineering for the last ten years, and so it was, okay. it was a friend that I, I could trust to send him this these files and to see if he could remix them. Because all we really got from a weekend recording was, was just some, some basic rough mixes, and um, that's how it all started. Is I just wanted to to like have us have a better version of those final songs. And then from there, when everybody started hearing the, the new mixes that Mike did, I think it got us more thinking that we should, you know, actually officially release these this last recording because it sounded so rad. And I think was it's anybody awesome. kind of hesitant about it? No, no, I don't think anybody was hesitant. I think we, then then it kind of led to more conversations with, well, how do we do this? Um, we haven't been a band for so long. Is anybody going to, like, how are we just going to put it out there? Yeah, I think I, for one, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I, for one, said something along the lines of, Eric, you feel, you see, it sounds like you're very passionate about doing this thing. I agree with you. Let's do it. Let's release it on record. However, if we're going to do that, can we at least do one show so we can sell, like, 50 of them? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a little bit of a, a a tiny little bit of uh, politicking to get, uh, everybody involved because it makes sense. I mean, like Defender, like we mentioned, is living in New York. Jordy's yeah, yeah. They have they've got other lives, and like it, it. I I respect these guys for for one, like uh, taking maybe a week, like that's their like only vacation days to like come do this instead of wow. uh, spending it with or something. You know, like that. Yeah. You know, that's that's uh, you know, it's a talk they probably had to have. So thanks, guys. <laughs> That, yeah, that's that's special. That is really special. But I think the magic is worth it, though, man. And I mean, you guys sent me the new album, and I was just fucking blown away. Like I said, you actually made me feel almost bad for being an even Steven. I was like, man, these cats are kind of at least Adam from the same like <laughs> like battleground that I'm from, the same area, and they're just uh, light years ahead musically as musicians. And I never claimed to be a musician. I always said I was a performer. But they're like light years away from where even Steven was. My God, this is what a band is supposed to sound like. Yeah, I mean, we that was our prime. Like 2004, 2005, we had, well, the we had been playing for six or seven years, and I think we finally figured it out, at least, that I also think 
a lot of what was in our way was, was like how to how to write songs and how to write good songs. Mm-hmm. And I think the last year or two, we were like, we didn't, we wrote shorter songs with less parts and they were more direct, I think, especially what's on the CP is just mm-hmm. more, more direct songs get to the point. Um, and from, from there, you know, after we got the mixes, then we sent them to our, the uh, Ernest Jenning, Pete from Ernest Jenning. And he was like, sure, I'll back this. And then, I think the the biggest decision was like, well, we want vinyl. And then after we decided that, we're like, all right, we press the button on ordering it and let's let's book a show and release it. And let me talk about the logistics of booking that show and then I want to play a cut off the new album. How did you pick the venue? Yeah, that's um, Greensboro, uh, which is pretty typical for a lot of mid-sized cities, goes through lots of cycles of... Is it considered no a venue. college town? It's considered a weird town. I think. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I think, <laughs> kind of, I mean yeah. that's fair. It is considered a weird town. Yeah, there are a lot of colleges here, but in the same way, it's not a college town in the sense that Athens or uh, or Chapel Hill is a college town where they there's like one unifying college that kind of helps yeah. sort of direct the uh, message, you know, um, which is a good thing about Greensboro, I think. That like it, it definitely it speaks to its character that there's a bunch of different. Uh, it's it's diverse, right? You know, there's that word, but it's true. I mean, it's a good diversity. It's a good uh, push and pull and lots of ideas. But it does make sometimes a singular uh, vision, like a singular spot. The idea of like there being one club, a forty watt or a uh, cat's cradle, it never existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially on the smaller end, like on un, you know under a three hundred person pl- place, there's been even in the last 10, 10, 15 years, there's been a few smaller 200 person places that's tried to survive, but they never really did. And, um, so this was one, it was sort of a a strategic move. We could either play at a 600 person venue, a 50 person venue or where we're playing, which is a 200 person venue. And that's, that's what we went with. And it's an, it's a nice spot. So we're playing at the crown. Yeah. I was looking at the, um, invite i was like man can i fucking make it out there because it's only a four-hour trip um and it looked like a nice spot that's why i thought i would bring it up so you're gonna be there thanks okay (laughs) (laughs) me and 73 of my closest friends and my new accountant adam i really want you to meet my new accountant he's awesome it's all in rubles i'm out of a job Oh. Yeah, I haven't been right. coming you in 12 years, Adam. I'm sorry. After the 11th year, I had to start thinking about looking for someone else. I'm only hurt, Nick, that you let me down on your podcast. You can't, you can't at least send me a, a text, you know? Did you want to get a break so yeah, from me? <laughs> oh. That's just bad form. Yeah. I don't roll that way. All right, before, before we get too crazy, let's play some God Gives Me the Willies, and then we'll come back and finish this up.
All righty, guys, we are back. Um, I know when I picked that track and I sent it to you, Eric, you're like, yeah, let's go with that one. Do you guys have preferences as far as which songs are near and dearest to your heart on this album? Or is it such kind of a throwback to those days and so nostalgic? Or are you just like, I found it interesting that you had a face-to-face song on there because I was like, man, are people going to be able to relate to that today? Well, yeah, so actually the EP is, well, it's a mixture. We only we ended up with four originals and then three cover songs: um, a pavement cover, a face-to-face cover, and an Arches of Loaf cover. Which just happened to be those those three covers were actually we put those in our set, and that's what we were playing like the last two years of the band. Wow! Uh, at different at different shows, which I think they were all from uh, Tim that got excited about each of those bands we introduced them to, and he said, "We got to cover this band, and we got to cover this band." We got to cover this band, which is good that we cover some of the band's influences. Um, but I, I think in general, I mean, as far as picking a song, like I think we just enjoyed all of the songs. I think as a as a well, as you cop out. Yeah. Yep. come on. Are you playing a straight set at the reunion show of only this album, or are you mixing it up with your other couple albums? During well, so while you were talking, uh, before we got on the air, Eric showed me, and I like an uncollected well okay uh, what would be the word like a um uh un uh anyway he showed me all the songs that we could potentially play because we are playing with a new bass player and i know you kind of all you kind of touched on that we've got i think you know there's a, a a number of songs that our bass player has learned and so i was like yeah those make sense that, that does make sense those are the songs we would play um it will be longer than just the length of the uh the ep you know um but uh yeah, our, our our bass player Rai, uh, who's like new to this one show, is pre- a pretty incredible guy for even even having uh, accepted the the uh, mantle. You know, because like geez, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't want to do it. If <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I had to choose a song to go back to the question, I think that at at the recording, like when recording finished of that EP, I would have said "Bookend" would have been my favorite song, and and that song is really all about just like being completely um, fed up with like uh, just the the multitudinous. That's a five dollar word. Just like multiplicity. Can you please use multiplicity? Yeah, multiplicity. What? I don't think that movie probably stands the test of time. But no, they kind of like. Michael uh, like Keaton how, always stands the test of time. Let's not get into an my, argument here, Adam. I haven't seen you in years. Yeah, yeah let's not talk about multiplicity, please. But <laughs> it was a song basically about how like there were too many bands. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. If I can do a callback, you know, it's about how like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know how like it was sort of a I don't know whatever. It, I was feeling it at the time more than I feel it maybe now. I'm a little like I don't really. Maybe I just don't. Maybe I don't live that touring life so much, so I don't care about it as much. So you didn't uh, feel as connected now, to the material, right, yeah? Sure, sure, sure. Although I do stand behind it, and I still, um, I still think it's a good song. I think that it, it uh, definitely is is awesome. I love it. But I think now I would say everything but the kitchen sunk really kind of. I just like how how yeah. the narrative really um, does tell a story. You know, it's just like uh, you can read it from like a. Uh, you can read like metaphor from it, but also just stands as like just a literal story of a ship sinking, which is kind of cool. So, mm-hmm. And something I'm very good at when I started writing lyrics, you know, so, cause I like kind of learned how to write in my opinion. And of course this is 
up for debate, but I feel like I kind of learned how to write lyrics for songs by being the lyricist for the band. So it's kind of like a master. Awesome. That's a great. So how, so how does, so how did the, um, how, how does the practice schedule work? I know you, since you guys are in different areas, how, how is that? Yeah, Have you practiced yet? Question. Or is it, or is it one of those things that you're going to, just going to do it for a week and then do the show? Well, Eric's going to yeah. tell us all about that. And then I'm going to like, uh, I'm going to take, uh, a, I'm going to, I'm going to take notes and then I'm going to give it to my bosses. So go ahead. So, yeah, uh, because of uh, the uh, travel arrangements, uh, yeah, everybody's going to, a week of the show, I've booked, I just booked the, we're playing like four nights. We have practice for four nights in a row. We can add a fifth night on if we need it, and then we play the show. So it's, okay. it's kind of like we're to get together and try to rehearse the, for the first time in 10 years with a new bass player and try wow. to play 17 17 songs. Holy shit, is uh, that stressful? That is awesome, dude. Is the dude. thought of that, or are you like, ah, we'll all fall back into place? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm hoping that everybody does their homework, and if everybody does their <laughs> homework, then we can be great musicians. Can you imagine being the bass player, though? <laughs> I know. Oh, man. He's probably like, great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the only thing, the only side thing is I'm meeting with him up on Saturday afternoon. So we're going to play for okay. four or five hours trying to go through some of the songs, uh, but it's hard uh, with, especially with bass and some of the way the tones of the recordings are. And uh, Tim uh, played lots of parts that were not repeating. And I think a yes, lot of he did. Songs, uh, and that's, again, that goes back to the, the vocals. And, you know, when Adam joined the band, especially the first few years, we just, we kind of played whatever music we wanted. And <laughs> um, luckily <laughs> vocals were on top to, to center it. Uh, but now going back and relearning those things, it's it's been, you know, kind of raising some eyebrows. Like, I can't believe that was a song that we signed off for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that. Like, <laughs> so I've played bass in a couple bands since. Like, I've played bass in two bands. Uh, and uh, one thing that that does, I think, uh, at least did for me, was that then when I go back and listen to music that I thought I knew, all of a sudden I hear the bass the bass line coming out, you know, because I'm used to playing bass, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I started listening to cut songs, and whoa, like Tim, I don't know, if, if you listen to that stuff with the bass uh, in the forefront, like thinking about playing bass for that band, for cut to it, it's crazy. Can His we talk about are- Tim for a minute? Because I, like I said, I went through and watched that whole often um, awesome series, which was yep. very powerful, and I mean, you would have to be a fucking soulless robot not to be moved by it. And you guys lost him in, am I remembering this right, 2011? Uh, yeah. ALS. So yeah. kind of frame that time period and how you come back from something like that. Because he, he said that Tim's writing was so prolific, it's kind of hard to repeat, right? Or reproduce. Yeah, that, 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 that took a lot of thinking when we were putting out this release and what we're going to do. And, um, you know, we, we kind of, we all agreed that Tim was the kind of person that, well, he was a documentarian and he really... Um, was an archivist at the end of what he was doing was like filming bands and making, I mean, he was just making documents of, of live performances and mm. for us to release it, it's a, it's a document, uh, a historical document of our band that we're now releasing. I mean, he played on it all. And so we all agreed that he'd like us to release this when it sounds so good. And I mean, he was, he was the kind of person who just um, supported 
just doing as much as you can. If, just do it. He was just like, let's just, just do it. Give the people what they yeah. want. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to be the. T- you know, we. And I don't think any of us want to say that we could speak for Tim, right? Like no one. No one's going to say uh, we. We know what he would want to do, but I mean, right. I, <laughs> I would say we. He definitely. We thought about it. Like we definitely thought about. You know, is, would he? Would he come along for the ride? And like honestly, like I, I can't categorically say that I know what he would choose to do, but. It it seems like definitely along the line. But that just shows you the I know, impact I know. he had, though, right? Where it's eight years later, and all of this is still a consideration. The Absolutely. impact that he must yeah. have had on you guys must be dramatic. Well, and we talked about it earlier, right? Like he's the one. He's the reason that I was in the band. I mean, at at the at the end of the day, like, he was the one who sent me an email asking me to if I would want to join Cut to Wish, and uh, he was the one that talked to the guys and made the case for having a front man, uh, and you know, he was the one who was, he was just, you know, I mean, he's, look, no one's a saint, right? People don't die and then all of a sudden become a saint, right? But uh, yeah, at the yeah. same time, the guy was so lovable <laughs> and, like, yes. was really a great, uh, just great at, like, bringing people together and um, really, like, uh, being a loudspeaker and a, uh, just a, you know, being our being the heart of the band. You know, he's the dude. Heart of the you band don't create that kind that, of support system. Looking at it from the outside, because I've never met him, but you don't create that sort of support system and have those kind of ripples through just the society that he was a part of, the group that he was a part of, the social circle. If you're not a stellar mm-hmm. human being, at least that was my takeaway from watching those 36 episodes. Well, yeah. yeah, and he was nothing if not a lover. I mean, that is a fact. You know. I I know from personal experience, man, he was just like, and only like I met Tim a handful of times just when you guys came through or when we play with you and he would act like he knew you like all your life. Like I remember, uh, I think we played with you guys at the velvet lounge and we all like pulled up at the same time and he came over and gave me like the biggest hug. He's like, Odell, what's up, man? How you doing? And I was just like, Hey dude, what's, you know, but it was just like, you know, it was, it's like, like you said, uh, I remember um, I didn't know he had passed, and I think I sent you a note, Adam, like maybe a, like a few weeks afterwards, and um, and it expressed how uh, it, it it touched me. And I, you know, I actually have um, the the swallows. I have those tattooed on my arm. Um, I got them not too long after that, and um, uh, from that series, I remember watching that. I watched, like Nick. I watched that series way back when it came out, and. And I remember going to the tattoo shop and, and um, I, I already had something planned and then I added those on to them. And then I told them. I didn't uh, know that. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Amazing. So yeah, that's why I have them going. Yep. Yep. That, that's how much of an impact that dude had, man. He was uh, such a great guy. So, Adam I mean, and Eric, you know, do you guys have those tattoos? We don't. Uh, I, I don't. I'm, you know, I'm weird. Like I, I have no tattoos and no piercings. But in fact, I got the question recently from like a 19 year old coworker why don't you have tattoos? And I was like, you can't ask me that. I can ask you why you do have tattoos. Exactly. But, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Are they doing the thing like where they're making a square in the air? Like that. What a square. <laughs> I just, I feel like, uh, no, I, I, I think that I, I respect that. Uh, I respect, I respect the, uh, the getting the swallow tattoos for sure. I just never have been a tattoo guy, but, uh, then there was, yeah. and what actually happened, I'm going to them aside, but, before our last show, the rest of us actually got Cudsey Wish tattoos. We all, uh, I am Rocket. We got a Rocket emblems tattoos. 
the four of us. Awesome. And the lame. That's you know, that too, so, you know. Yeah, that whole story <laughs> is so incredible. Odell, I can't believe I've known you like almost 30 fucking years. I never knew that. I never yeah, knew yeah. It was. It's more of a personal thing. I, I got. I mean, uh, you know, like when Adam said, "Why do you have tattoos?" and 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 a lot of them are personal. So when when people ask me that, I tell them that, and it's a and it's a and it's a it's a good conversation piece. You know, it's like, hey, why do you have this going up your arm? And then I tell them the story. And I never I thought to, to ask. I have Mr. Peanut yeah, on yeah. my left ass cheek, and nobody ever asked me why. I, I, I also got a, I, I also got another tidbit for you, Nick. Um, and this is the whole six degrees, uh, Kevin Bacon or whatever it is. But in route was you guys, I uh, did that with Jay Robbins and that was recorded at phase studios in college park. Right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's where, um, uh, Onus did. Well, we, uh, we did our album with Bruce who shared that space with Jay. So that's where like we did our album there. And, um, also the fallen one. And I know Nick did even Steven at phase studios. Early morning, well, so. um, punk songs with yeah. Bruce as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Jay and I remember running into Jay a few times, um, and I asked him about you guys. I was like, hey, because we were recording there um, around the same time that you guys were, and he he absolutely loved you guys. So I thought that was really cool. All right, can we finish up with the um, reunion show? Tell me all about it, and tell me what the expectation is. Are you expecting people to come in from everywhere? Are you expecting a lot of older fans and friends? Are you expecting a crop of new kids who have never heard you? Tell me what the expectation is going into this reunion show. Uh, Well, we don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. I think um, we're playing with bands that are are friends of ours and that they're, they're just the truly Greensboro punk bands that are happening right now. Right on. Um, What's the lineup? Nice. Uh, totally slow is one band that they've been together for a few years. They're on uh, self-aware records, um, and they're just straight up punk rock. And um, old Heavy Hands is the other band that's playing. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we expect there to be. Um, I think I'm finding out there's going to be a, a lot more Guilford College alumni presence since that's where we nice. started. That's that, you know, and I think. Um, I think we made an impact more than maybe we knew, but you know, it, there's no telling. We'll have to just see on March 22nd. Well, I, 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 I have a feeling it's going to be huge. Well, we were waiting to, You know, we were wait, We were waiting to get introduced by you guys, and like, uh, and Eric actually got did get a. Uh, you get a text from someone. Did yeah, you? our friend is is flying in from Louisville. So got wow, a, he, bought a, he bought a ticket. Uh, that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Better not let are, you, down. are you bring Are you bringing family members? Are you? I know. I know. Uh, being older now, and and I know some of you guys have kids and and things of that nature. Are, are, are is your family coming to check you out? Or um, my my kids are not my kids are not coming to the show, but um, okay. they're really excited for that week. They're gonna see a lot of new people that week. Eric doesn't do the TED talk about the show afterwards, so that's good. Yeah, oh, I would sit through that for sure. Wouldn't you have a a little panel? Yeah, Yeah, probably something like that. I don't know. Is Shopkins still cool with that set? Really cool. Yeah, cool. So there might be some Shopkins, you know, um, (laughs) maybe Cookie Cookie, you know. Uh, Yeah, my parents. Now you're talking my language. Oh, you know, you, you got a kid. Get out of here. I make oh, sense. I've got oh. a 13-year-old. And yeah, I remember when she I was got... in the Shopkins and Monster High. 
Yeah, I got oh, three. Man. I got three myself, so. It's out of control. They need to make the toys bigger. I, I don't, you know, just, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to get away because, like, but anyway, yeah, yeah. My, my, my parents are showing up, and I had to have a conversation with them about it. They were like, uh, wait, we just found out about this. Why didn't you tell us? And I'm like, uh, well, you know, I figured you saw us already. We were pretty good in our prime. You didn't need to see us. And they're like, uh, we want to see you. We want to support you. And I'm like, yeah, I know you support us. It's cool. Uh, and I said, you, you want to come down? Because uh, I'm lucky. I got parents who support me. How lucky is that? But I'm like, they, if you want to come do. See, they do. You know, I say, come see the show. If you love the music. You really miss the music, Mom. Dad, you miss Bookend. You want to, you want to sing along to Bookend. <laughs> Will gives me the willies. You should come to the show. And so, so they are Maybe coming, he'll they jump on be, stage with you. I think it's a real possibility. <laughs> and now I have to make it just for that. There you go. Did I sell you on that? <laughs> yes. The odd always yes. sells me. I should bring my dad. Please. Oh, boy. Please. Yeah. <laughs> my dad is 75, and he would start a fight. <laughs> He'd be like, what's up with that pink hair, queer? Uh, do, you <laughs> do you remember the guy in Arlington who punched me in the dick? And I, 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 it's a blurry memory, but I the remember. House, you yeah. remember your brother's house. That was my brother's basement. Yeah, and the guy punched me in the dick, so I grabbed him in the hair and like pushed him to the ground, down to the ground for the rest of the show. You remember that? Did he mean to punch you? Yeah, he meant to. Okay. Yeah, he's the drunkest guy there. You know what I mean? Are you <laughs> more bad for an erotic podcast? Because I'm totally cool if that's where you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is an erotic podcast after all. I remember now. <laughs> This whole time I suckered you in thinking it was about the band and it's really about erotica. You really oh, sucked us in. I, I, I kind of <laughs> podcast roofied you. I so if, you hear, if you hear any like Enya or some crazy erotica music come on, don't don't blame me. I'm not part of it. That's I'm all sorry, I'm not supposed to use the word roofie. I'm supposed to use Cosbead. I Cosbead okay. you. I, I verbally <laughs> Cosbead. Right, I think be released. Is there a better place to end than being verbally Cosby'd? Let's end there. Please tell everybody again where we can find you on the interwebs and remind us again when and where the show is. Yeah, um, on uh, Facebook and Instagram um, and on March 22nd at the Crown Carolina Theater in Greensboro is the Cubsy Wish EP reunion show. Right on, man. I'm wishing you guys... All right. I might make it out there. I actually have a... 10 days. I've actually got 10 days between podcasts. So I might be able to actually make it out there. I don't have a lot going on creatively on my schedule. Nikki, you gotta come to the show. Come on, <laughs> Nick. Oh my God. You did a dead on impression of my mom. Mm -hmm. She even calls me Nikki. Mm -hmm. Wait a second. What Nick, we're going to see Kudzu Wish. Are you coming? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, thanks for having us on here. Absolutely, man. This was a lot of fun catching up. And, yeah, it was. Yes, it was. Way in hell I can make it out there. I'm going to, but I'll keep in touch with you guys. I'll let you know. Sounds good. 
Um, Dave, before we go, please tell everybody what we have coming up since I kind of steamrolled right past it in the beginning of the show. So we have Mary Birdsong coming up from Reno 911. That's on our Kettle of Fish podcast. Yes, on Kettle of Fish. We've got Egg Drop Soup coming on. We have got an update show with Alex White of White Mystery, Head Ned of Oakley Doakley, and Benjamin Jaffe from Honey Honey. Uh, we've got uh, Nicole Birch coming on Kettle of Fish, and we've got Jughead from Screeching Weasel coming on uh, Musical Osmosis very, very soon. And, and Odell, how much great yeah. stuff do we have O-M-G. that we're just trying to bang out some schedules? How much? I wish I could talk about it by... You know, for the longest time, Lloyd Kaufman was supposed to come on Kettle of Fish. I was like, oh my god, I can't wait to talk to Lloyd Kaufman, and it fell apart. So I'm very hesitant now when I have somebody I really want to talk to. Not that I don't. I mean, I really want to talk to everybody. But I have somebody I, I don't feel worthy of talking to, that they're out of my weight class. Coming on a show, right. I really hesitate announcing it until everything is confirmed. Right, right. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Oh, and anybody in the Knoxville, Tennessee area, uh, I do have my first performance with the Black Woo! Pants Girls. Yay. Uh, that's going to be Saturday at the historical Oak Grove Theater. I'm not only dancing with a piece, but I'm also singing um, some Katie Lang, Miss Chatelaine. So fucking glad you are finally breaking out of your cocoon and becoming a beautiful creative butterfly. Yeah, it's going to be tons (laughs) of fun. I even started looking on Craigslist for bands that are looking for female musicians in the area because... I've been a singer since I was like knee high to a grasshopper, so I may as well fucking do something with it, right? What are you, Br'er Rabbit? Yes, absolutely. Knee high to a grasshopper? All right, yes. whatever. I'll just have to control myself and not jump up and go, that's my girl! Yeah! <laughs> restraint! Hero by restraint. All right, let's get out of here. We are going to play some We've Got Big Hands by Kudzu Wish off the Reverse Hurricane album. And we'll be back here in a week with Egg Drop Soup. Bye, guys. We all need things of our own Cause we're each a big fat king on our feet
price we pay.